All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, it only You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation live here on YouTube. My name is Chris Faber. I'm joined today by special co-host, 
Harmon Dial. And it's special because it's a Monday today. I think that's a, something we should know. You are here, Harm. You're putting in the effort. You're showing up early. You even did some work on the uh, outline today with me. You even got a graphic for me. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're here. You're filling in for quads. He's taking the day off. We're not skipping a beat. So I think good stuff right off the bat here. I got good positive vibes. Normally we save that for Friday, but I think we got them on a Monday too. How you doing? I'm feeling a lot better than I thought it would be. It was a crazy deadline week. <laughs> Friday was nuts. Yeah. I think I recorded four hours worth of uh, podcast episodes, took the Saturday off, and then Sunday, I was crushing Heronic video till like 3.30 in the morning. I was, and, and keep in mind, I'm still at the age where typically when I get four or five hours of sleep, I don't feel good. Like a lot of people when they're older can feel good. I don't feel good, but I got lucky where, have you, have you ever noticed a difference between when you seem to wake wake up, your alarm goes off right at the end of a sleep cycle and mm. you're not groggy? It's like you're, you're it, it's it's not as disruptive or as uh, abrupt of uh, of a wake-up call it was like that so i felt pretty fresh despite the fact that i haven't had much sleep which is refreshing because there's some some nights where i'll sleep like eight eight and a half hours but it'll the alarm will catch me right in the middle of my sleep cycle and i'll be groggy and i'm like i got so much sleep i should not be feeling like this so <laughs> no, lucked I, out today that, that's interesting because yeah i mean i wonder when it hits because i'm at the point right now where if i do sleep for like eight hours or more, I'm just groggy from that. Really? Like, I'm still in the camp of, I wonder if that's going to change with a couple more years uh, down the road. And by the way, uh, not live on YouTube. Alex, anything there? Just uh, just so you know. We're going to keep going because this is the podcast form as well. There we are. We're up and live now. Um, but I, I, I'm with you in the whole sleep situation because, like, for you, like, you're the, you, you really buy into sleep. I don't oh, as yeah. much. Like, I know that you're a guy who likes your eight hours when you can get it. I can't believe what you did on Friday. That was wild. Like, in, and I, we were a part of that. You coming in here, joining me pretty late for the podcast. But I don't know how many times, uh, like, I, I just saw your name pop up on social media. Just like, you know, article here, podcast here. Like, the, the deadline was a crazy day. How, how good did it feel to at least take some of Saturday off and just, like, just chill? Like, it was, it was a great feeling. For well, me. it was great, but it, it was... Tough timing too because my barber was uh, was about to leave this week on a trip. So Saturday was the last possible day for me to uh, mm -hmm. get a cut booked in. My car was uh, in maintenance. So I had an hour and 10 minute commute each way via transit. Oh. So that kind of uh, that kind of was, was annoying to deal with it. But I was like, I, I have to look fresh. So, I mean, I guess I can't complain about it. It's something I wanted to do, but it wasn't quite as restful. I'm looking forward to... Another busy day today, and then the middle of the week, I'm, I'm going to be taking uh, easier. Yeah, that's always good. And now we're live on YouTube. People can see Harvin's in here today on Monday. Uh, no quads today. Do you know why? Do you know why quads isn't here today? Yes, I do. Because he got a puppy. I say quads is on Paw Patrol today. He is watching his puppy. He's still a couple days into it. Rumor on the street is he did not get more than two hours of consecutive sleep on Friday with that puppy because that thing was up and ready to go. I've been saying it for a long time. He's going to be pissing oh, everywhere. That's a nightmare. But no, apparently last night was better for him. The dog uh, slept a little bit longer, which is good news. So I don't know if uh, if his little pup is watching here today. Quads might even have us up on uh, YouTube right now. But uh, he should be back tomorrow, I think. We'll see what happens. I might, uh, I might have to go solo one of these days here, which I don't know how that's going to go. But let's dive into some Canucks talk. I, I apologize to people on YouTube. You missed, a, I think, a pretty good little ramble off the top. 
but uh, you'll hear that on the podcast. All right, uh, let's dive into some Canucks stuff. Uh, I want to start with with Quinn Hughes. Uh, I think it was kind of a, a bigger story that Canucks fans could actually get excited about, which is something that we haven't had for quite a while from Canucks fans. But the story of Quinn Hughes being the fastest defenseman all time in NHL history to hit 200 assists. Uh, and we can get this graphic up here. This is this is pretty incredible to see Quinn Hughes on this list. Not only on this list, but at the top of this list for being the quickest defenseman to 200 assists in the NHL in the history of the league. Like It's damn impressive when you actually say it out loud and see the graphic. It, it is wild that... We're, we're talking about names here like Brian Leach, Bobby Orr, Sergey Zuboff, Paul Coffey, Al McInnes. Quinn Hughes is above them all and was quicker than all of them to 200 assists. He beat Brian Leach by one game. How impressive is this stat, Harm? Extremely impressive. I think it's a reflection not only of his talent, but how advanced he was in the sense that as soon as he hit the NHL as a rookie, 20, year, 20 years old, he was number one defenseman right from day one. <laughs> if you remember the first game that he played against the Edmonton Oilers, I was there in Edmonton. He was matched up against Connor McDavid, who was playing with Leon Dreisaitl on the line. Hard match. I mean, imagine that as your welcome to the NHL moment. You're fresh off playing college hockey, right? And you're used to that level of level of competition. And now it's like, all right, buddy, paired <laughs> up with uh, with Chris Tanev, NHL debut, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Have fun. Right, so of course there were some learning curves along the way. I remember that first game; there there was at least one or two plays where I think Hughes got burned defensively. But then the next time they played the Oilers, he defended Drysaddle so much better and had picked up little tips and tricks of how to use his mobility, stick, and angling as opposed to trying to win on body position, which is battle he's always going to lose against somebody like Drysaddle. But yeah, from then on. He was PP1 right away, put in, putting up elite point totals. Well, not right away. If you remember Jason Botchford, uh, how long it well, took I'm to get... Well, I'm talking about the 1920 season. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, to, to get There was definitely a big, a, a big campaign. It took a while. I think, yeah. I think there might have, been, might have even been a lag period, maybe in 1920, maybe a couple games, where okay. before he got him on PP1. But yeah, it, it was incredible to see a defenseman... St- like A lot of times you'll see... a a gradual buildup, right? Mm. With forwards, with defensemen. But with Hughes from day one, he was already a number one D. To do that at 20 is enormously impressive. And that's why when in his sophomore year, he had uh, that down year defensively, people in, people on the East were sort of tarnishing his defensive reputation and sort of going, oh, is he? And I'm like, he's a 21-year-old sophomore defender. Look at what he did at the age of 20. People are throwing out Tyson Barry. No, is he just going to regress back to being a Barry? And I'm like, guys, do you not realize how special it is to do what he did at 20? I mean, look at Rasmus. Look at how long it took Rasmus Dallin, right? To figure it out, yeah. Number one draft pick, and he's a Norris contender this year. But Hughes was better than Dallin right off the hop. 100%, without a shred of doubt. It took until... There was a point with Dallin under Ralph Kruger where people were wondering if Dallin was a bust, if he'd ever be a number one potential or number one defenseman. So he's obviously reached that ceiling and one can certainly argue that Dallin's better than Hughes today, but for Hughes to have hit the ground running right away, I think it speaks to how elite and special of a talent he is. We've never seen a defenseman 
anywhere close to that in franchise history. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that you brought up the kind of trial by fire coming in and, and having that matchup against you know the the dry saddle McDavid line because like it's um, I I just I saw this video the other day actually and I, I thought it was so wild because it was less than two years ago uh, when Jack Rathbone made his NHL debut. And he had that two on one against him with McDavid oh, yeah. and Drysaddle coming down. So it almost just feels like that's how you officially become a Vancouver Canucks defenseman. Is like you have to defend McDavid and Drysaddle. Once you pass that, like you can stick in the NHL for a little bit. Um, but the other thing about Hughes is this: this stat popped up, and it was it was very interesting. Obviously, seeing him be the fastest in the NHL history to two hundred assists. But the other thing that was very interesting is Greg Wyshynski's. Who poll, he wrote an article, and this isn't, I don't think this is his opinion. Not his this, opinion. This is, this is the list that he had when he polled NHL executives and players. And it was about the top 10 defensemen in the NHL. And if you read the article, like uh, like I said, it's it's not, this isn't uh, Wish's thoughts. I think this is just from him polling these type of people. Quinn Hughes doesn't show up on that top 10 list of defensemen. That's a little surprising. I think... It depends because if you're polling guys from the NHL, you're you're polling executives and players. It's just it's hard for these people to to watch Quinn Hughes on a consistent basis on the West Coast, right? This ten o'clock start time it makes it difficult. I understand that you only get to see him for a handful of games, but I, I do think there's enough national coverage. Like when he goes out east, when the Canucks go out east, and you kind of have the Hughes Bowl, like you have that type of thing. Yeah, you have him against Toronto. He seems to always have these very good games against the teams in the East. So I was a little surprised to not see him on this list, especially when you have names like like you brought up Rasmus Dallian. That's one that you can definitely slide in there. Kale McCarr, obviously. Adam Fox has been great. Roman Yossi for the years that has passed over. But when I look at this list, I, I am a little surprised to see a Dougie Hamilton or a Charlie McAvoy over Quinn Hughes on this list. Those are the kind of the two names that I look at at this list, and that surprises me above Hughes. Is there another name on this list that kind of shouldn't be there and Hughes should be there instead? Okay, yeah, so I wanted to just start and, like, let's let's go through the list and sort of be like, okay, that guy makes sense, that guy doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So, number one, Kale McCart makes sense, right? Look at what he did, what he did in the playoffs. Uh, Adam Fox, he also has a Norris Trophy under his belt. No problems there. Victor Hedman, <laughs> amazing, no problems there. Roman Yossi, he's consistently been in the Norris conversation, elite, elite Point score for years, I for mean, years, years and years and years. No, no problem there. McAvoy, see, I can actually see the argument for McAvoy ahead of Hughes, despite the fact that he doesn't have elite point totals, because for a big chunk of his career, he didn't get the power play one time because mm-hmm. of Tory Krug, and even outside of the point totals, he's like measured purely on defense. He's one of the top, probably five shutdown defensemen in the league. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're uh, a high-end point producer, even for, if you're not elite, but you're able to combine that with like on pure defense being a top five shutdown defenseman. Yep, I, I I'll, I'll I'll buy that argument, right? And that's a, the similar sort of reason behind why I'm like, okay, Mira Haskinen too. I can see Haskinen above Hughes, even if it's not by a lot, because same sort of thing. For a long time, Klingberg was taking the the power play one opportunities. Uh, Haskinen's had an offensive breakout this year, and it's like when you combine it with the size, reach, uh, again, similar to McAvoy, because I did a breakdown last season looking at the best defensive defensemen in the NHL, and Haskinen and McAvoy both came up on pure defense. So I'm like, okay, if you can combine those two elements, I can buy it. Eric Carlson, I'm like, this season, yes, but you look at what he's done before, 
the, the last couple of years he hasn't been in that territory, so you get yeah. into that tricky range of like. I think with this poll do- being done this point in the season, you, he's absolutely sure. On yeah, the top 10, where I start to disagree is, and okay, sure, I guess based off this year, you can also make the case for Dowling. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I'm like Dougie Hamilton. Really, that's a yeah, that one I can pretty easily put really? he's above. Like the. He's had a great year, don't get me wrong. He has 18 goals, almost near a point per game. But last year, he was such a disappointment. And I know he had trouble with injuries, but he was only half a point per game. Uh, he's also not great defensively. So it's not as if you can look at him and make the make some sort of case um, for his defense being superior. And Hughes' offensive production is superior as well. So I don't see the case for that at all. The best way, let me, let me frame it to you this way, right? A couple years ago, when Hamilton was a pending UFA, the Carolina Hurricanes, instead of re-signing Hamilton, decided that they would replace him by signing Tony D'Angelo for cheap. Hmm. Think about what that says, that the Carolina Hurricanes could look at Dougie Hamilton and go, we can replace this guy with a uh, with a near-league minimum reclamation project type player. And it worked for them. Mm-hmm. It They didn't really skip a beat because... Playing with Jacob Slavin, he's that good, and they they were just able to get the power play production from um, uh, from D'Angelo. So he didn't move the needle enough at five and five. I think what's interesting here when I look at this list, and I think you did a good job breaking down the list there, but I, I also take into account of actual impact on a singular team, right? Like Kale McCarr makes a massive difference yeah. for the Colorado Avalanche moving the puck. I think you can say a lot about a lot of these guys on this list that are similar. But I really think that like the pressure on Quinn Hughes to be a primary puck mover on the Vancouver Canucks is massive. And it needs to be taken into account here because think about how many players and defensemen, I mean, specifically you can trust on the Vancouver Canucks to move the puck. Just him. It's Quinn. Hughes. I I really do think it's Quinn Hughes. And I know that a lot of these points uh, come on the power play, and that's something that Quinn Hughes has been doing throughout his whole career. No, no surprise there. But I think aside from that, when you start to mention like the the McAvoy and, and the stuff that isn't going to show up on the score sheets, it isn't going to show up, you know, in the stats every time you see it. Or same with kind of Jacob Slavin or or even Heiskanen as well. But I'd also take on. Hughes over over Slavin. Yeah, I, I would. Even too. though I like Slavin, like Slavin is good. He's an elite defenseman. Don't get me wrong, but. It's not, I don't think he's had the same level of impact that uh, Hughes has had. That, I mean, that's exactly it. It's the level of impact of a defenseman. I think Quinn Hughes, there's no argument he's a top 10 level of impact defenseman on a team. Yeah, I, I think he'd be toward the end of my top 10 list is the way I'd put it. Somewhere in that like 7 to 10 range for mm-hmm. sure. Because like, look at, like looking at Slavin, for example, he hasn't even been able to... One of the Hurricanes... Like people will rightfully give him so much praise for being one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. And that, okay, he can also put up decent point totals, but here's what has let the Hurricanes down in consecutive years in the playoffs, an inability to produce produce in the power play. Mm. Well, shouldn't your number one defenseman, in theory, 
if if we're talking about the elites of the elites, shouldn't he be able to effectively quarterback a power play? That's not Jacob Slavin, right? They they went out and they've cycled through D'Angelo. They brought in Brent, Brent Burns. He wasn't quite the answer. And then that's where recently at the deadline, the um, the Hurricanes went out and acquired Shane Gossespierre to kind of be a power play quarterback for them. And fill like, that role, yeah. Slavin doesn't check off that box, right? So how can you, like, people will point at someone like Hughes and in previous years, they'll be like, oh, like, he doesn't kill penalties enough or he's not defensively sound enough. He doesn't check all the boxes. Well, it's like Slavin doesn't check all the boxes either. Yeah. Even though you may look at him and go, that's a more rare, like, like people like the, like the idea of, oh, like execs, especially the idea of, oh, big defender, right? So, but it's like he doesn't check all the boxes, right? Yeah. I think it with, with him, it's the, with Slavin, it's the idea of he's the best defensive defenseman in the league. And a lot of GMs and executives or players will latch on to that. And that's why he keeps showing up on these lists. And don't get me wrong. You're right. It's a massive thing to have on your team. If you are well-known around the league as the best defending defenseman, I mean, that's going to be tough to go. Slavin would still be in my top 15 again. Don't get me wrong, but he's not ahead of Hughes for me. And and then like, look at some of the names that were on these uh, honorable mentions, right? Like that got votes ahead of Hughes because Hughes didn't get any votes. Not one vote. Like you're looking at Hampus Lindholm where Lindholm's had a good season, but on a much better Boston team. And like nobody talked about him before this year. Mm. Nobody. So you're like, you're telling me off half a season worth of a sample and a good team that you're automatically going to say Lindholm is is better than Hughes. Well, why, like, if that was the case, why wasn't every team in, in on the bidding for Hampus Lindholm at the deadline last year, right? There you go. So there's him, there's uh, Devon Taves. I really like Devon Taves, but he plays with Kale McCarr on the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> like, I mean, Petra Angelo got some votes. I've seen Drew Doughty get some votes as well. I think that's a lot of... Uh, Even Zach Wierenski. Kind of, you know what it like, shows me sometimes seeing some of these polls? And I think you see a lot of these with the NHL. Most Sider got votes ahead of... Well, hey, I, news. Yeah, come I on. love I love Mo Sider, but I, I love Mo Sider, but Come either. on, he's not there yet. I think a lot of these names, or a few of them, anyways, like Petrangelo, Dowdy. I think this kind of shows, like, hey, a lot of a lot of people like um, really still value the star name of a of a defenseman as well, right? Maybe why Eric Carlson got some votes at this point, and though he's had a ridiculous season, I think you can make an argument for this year. But to see Dowdy and Petrangelo and you know. Cider, like you mentioned, to see them get votes over Quinn Hughes, who you said didn't get one vote. That does shock me quite a bit. It did. I started thinking about why. But it's a slight. It's, it's what you see. Like, this, this yeah, poll I mean, was probably vended, right? No, like, this it's just, poll was it's just probably, interesting, right? It's probably done in Toronto, right? Like, this, this is uh, what well, it feels not, like. Greg's not based out of Toronto. So. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's a damn East Coast thing again here. But I, I do want to, I did see a, something come in here from Chris, who said, I need to watch some Heronic highlights. Who's watched a bunch of Heronic uh tape over the last uh week or so this guy Harmon dial let's let's talk about that one thing i wanted to quickly mention about why i think hughes didn't land on this list i think because of his size and because of that 2021 season he had immediately Mm -hmm. there were like he got cast with that defensive liability label which it takes a long time for for like once a late like once a reputation or a label is created, it, t- it takes a long time for that to be shed again. Bingo. So I remember when I was doing, for example, agents polls, and I had talked to a couple execs as well at the at the time trying to project Hughes' next contract. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people were legitimately like, "Ooh, I think you got to be careful about how much you commit to Quinn Hughes long term." And I'm like, "Really?" But that was the perception that's been created, right? And so I still think people, because of that 
haven't noticed the defensive strides that he's taken last couple seasons because as you mentioned he's on the west coast and you don't see him as often so i i'd hypothesize that's the reason definitely a reason i can get behind there as well i i'm curious and i think we'll get to this at some point before like i'm very curious to see what a pairing of quinn hughes and phil pronick will look like but i I just want to open it up to, to you because you watched a ton you just wrote about it for the athletic there um, you didn't put him in your top 10 defenseman, though, Philip Ronick, <laughs> but you did spend a lot of time watching him. I found it interesting that you immediately kind of off the top of the article addressed the questions about if Ronick has some defensive warts and what he looks like as a one-on-one defender. Looked like from, from the way you wrote about it and kind of placed some video in there, like you were somewhat impressed, I would say, from his one-on-one defending ability. For sure. There's... Which is, by the way, it's funny because I, I, I could bring up the shot. I could bring up him moving the puck. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, and the first thing you mentioned in the article, was his defending. I'm curious yeah, because, why you went that direction. Because it was the most surprising part, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of, I just mentioned the idea that it takes a while to shed reputations and labels. The story around Heronic, the way he was described for a really long time was offensive defender who has significant defensive warts and don't get me wrong that reputation earlier in his career was earned right he was logging these huge minutes for the red wings on some bad rebuilding teams he was a defensive liability at times right on the ice for way more goals against than he was goals for showing up the same way in terms of the shots and scoring chances against but he's had a breakout year this season and watching him play and and in my process, I try to be very meticulous about, okay, if I'm watching games here, I want to make sure that I don't just like watch five games in a row, like in a stretch of like March, right? I, I made sure that I watched games that were like, I watched a game in October, one in November, one from like two weeks ago, interspersed it throughout the calendar year so I wouldn't be caught in like, a, ooh, he's having a five-game heater playing the best hockey or like he's having a five-game drought. And I also looked at the individual game logs of trying to p- find games where it's like he had an excellent game by the underlying metrics. Let's see what that looks like. He had a really rough game by the underlying metrics. Let's look at that. He had some average games. Let's look at that. And the thing that consistently stood out was he wasn't, he was totally fine defensively. Like he was... Uh, pretty competent there. Definitely a, a significant step up from what I've noticed in terms of his defensive awareness, how he's constantly scanning, checking, uh, shoulder checking, looking to take away the crossing pass. He, he, he took it away on a number of occasions. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he's the second coming of Chris Tanev or anything. There were definitely instances where I watched him and went, okay, like I can see there's work to be done there. Like he's not the most agile defender off the rush which will be interesting this interesting to see but he's extremely competitive right like he's average size but the one thing i noticed is when he's able to play like when he has a tight gap right he's really aggressive on closing and hounding the puck carrier and using a combination of a stick and body to be able to create that change in possession to be able to break that play up and i saw him do that some of the clips I highlighted were against Boldy, Kaprizov, Stamkos. Stamkos. Yeah. Like he, he was doing it against some legit competition, even though generally speaking this year, he's mostly played traditional second pair matchups, which I think is part of the story as well, is that he's had this breakout now that he's played in a second pair role behind Sider instead of being leaned on as the number one. But yeah, he he was solid in that uh, in that regard. He very rarely did I see him make a bad read and put himself way out of, way out of position. 
he just seemed like a solid all-around two-way defenseman, which is, I guess, the biggest takeaway was he's he's not this sort of offense. He's not this offensive D with defensive warts. So here's my question about that then, because you can have a couple different options. We have the the poll up right now on YouTube asking if you think that Hronik and Hughes should play together or play separately. The role that you watched him in a lot this season was a second pairing guy in a second pairing role. And you can use this to kind of relative of where he is in a lineup as a top pairing guy. You don't think he's a dynamic high end puck mover. What about as a second pairing guy? Did you think that he was moving the puck well as that kind of role when you're not matching up against the best forwards? And I think when you aren't matching up against other teams, top lines, you do have a lot more opportunities to move the puck out of your own zone, just simply because top lines spend a lot of time in your zone. Well, that was the other surprise, right? Was he's a solid puck mover. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he's not flashy. He's not dynamic and doesn't scream primary. Puck I would. Mover. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's competent. He's solid, but I wouldn't use a word like high end to describe what he can do. Like he'll make some good plays with the puck, but for example, uh, Corey Schneider's tracking data, he was fourth among, Horonic was fourth among Red Wings defensemen this season in terms of uh, possession, defenses on exits with possession per 60 minutes. He was behind uh, Sider, uh, Jake Wallman, who's a fantastic skater, and yeah. even behind Only Matter, right? Mm-hmm. So when I would watch these tapes, it wasn't as if every dump is coming and it's like the wings are funneling the puck to Horonic and expecting him to lead the breakout. It was interesting because on the one hand, he skates well, he's smooth. So when four checkers give him space, he likes to carry the puck and he's confident and he's poised doing that. He can even activate up on the rush. But what was interesting was when four checkers apply a lot of pressure, it's not that he panics or necessarily makes mistakes, but he doesn't have the explosive acceleration in his first step or two to be able to separate and outskate guys the way Quinn Hughes can, right? Mm. So it's like when pressure's on him, he needs support options near him, whether it's his defense partner, whether it's a winger or a center coming deep. And if those support outlets are there, he'll hit those targets efficiently. But if they're not there, he's not afraid to a lot of times go boards and out, flip it out, right? So that's why I think part of his... It, like part of his effectiveness as puck mover is going to be contingent on the infrastructure around him because if he has a lot of support, you, you, I look at his skills and it's like he can make a decent first pass. He, he skates reasonably well. He's still mobile. Like he'll excel, but if you're expecting him to be a wizard and do it all on his own, like that's not going to be the answer. And that's why in terms of a role on a second pair, that's why my overall takeaway was like, I think he's a really good number three. I don't quite think he's a number two. And like the way I think of a number three is, okay, if you want him to caddy on the top pair with a legit number one like Hughes, he'll do that well. If you want him to drive a second pair, he can do that. But he needs another like... He a needs, top four. He needs another top four partner. Yeah, he right? can't carry a guy into the top four. He's going to need... Exactly, right? Okay. So you saw like this season, for example, he played with Ole Mata, who's a fringe, like barely top four caliber. And it was fine, right? Like that pair was fine. It wasn't great, but it was effective enough. Got the job done. But then they put Ben Sherratt next to him, mm-hmm. right? And they were... And they like struggled. They really struggled uh, recently. And he... I think Hronik was controlling like 40% of shots, scoring chances and goals. Like it wasn't really working. And that's not knock on Hronik. It's just Sherrod had those same results with Cider. Yeah. It's it, the, the takeaway there is you like 
I want, in my opinion, I want Hironic on a second pair because I think this D is still too thin to where I still believe that the Canucks should maximize the amount of ice time that they have at least one of Hughes or Hironic on the ice for. Um, especially because Hughes, regardless of if he's playing with Hironic or another partner, like a bear or whatever, like that pair is still going to drive really good results. Yeah. Whereas the second pair has been such a tire fire that I think you need another stabilizing force. But I'd be careful of thinking that, oh, we're going to slot OEL, for example, in that role. And if OEL plays the way he has this season, like it's not going to magically change things. It'll help, obviously, but... Um, Heronic will need help around him, which is right. totally reasonable. He's not a miracle worker. He's not Quinn Hughes. So what? Corey Corey has a funny uh, comment here into the YouTube. Says I shouldn't have read Harm's article already. <laughs> they probably just knew all the information you just dropped there. But one thing you you did, I think you touched on this in the article, but didn't spend a lot of time. What would a pairing of Heronic and Hughes look like? What would they do well? What would be something that you might have a worry about? And now that you've seen Heronic do this, and the way that you just described him to me is like he's going to need support. To be a, a you know a top top pairing guy, he will need that support. Yeah. He can't carry it himself. You have one of the best support you know options in the NHL as a defensive yeah. partner with Quinn Hughes. There, how good could that pairing look together if that's the way they? They'd go? be great. They'd be fantastic. I mean, the one takeaway I had was even if you play play them um, split, you definitely want to play them together in offensive situations when mm-hmm. you're trailing because when you look at Hughes and the list of partners that he's had over his career, he's never had anybody as effective offensively as... Um, yeah, because talk to me about the shot. Talk to me about the shot. He's got a really good shot. Like, he can let the one-time bomb go from the point, but he can also walk in and try and snipe a puck, mm. which, is, um, which is pretty cool to watch. And he's a dual threat in the sense that He's got smart instincts, right? Like sometimes you have offensive defenders where it's like the guy's got a cannon of a shot, but he can't like that's all he does, right? Like he can't make plays. He doesn't know how to use the threat of his shot in a way to set his teammates up. Yeah. Which is one thing that uh, I saw from Hronick and I included a clip of it in the article where there was one play in the po- one example of the power play where it's like he's loading up for a bomb. Um, he fakes the bomb and then it's like a slap pass to the left flank for Perron who who hits a one timer goal. That's where you look at Hronik and I'm like, he can he he can play off of Hughes, right? He's not gonna cannibalize things, right? Because that would be the worry is if you have a if a shot first defenseman, you don't want him all of a sudden just like hogging the puck and well almost like stopping the dynamics things that exactly. Hughes does in the off. Like it doesn't I don't need worry to, about that. Yeah, it doesn't need to immediately end with a slap shot one timer. Like exactly. you can do more. Right? Than like that. so he's versatile in that sense. He's versatile offensively. Uh, I think they'd be great together offensively and Initially, again, because of some of the defensive like concerns earlier in Hronik's career, I was thinking like, okay, would that pair work defensively per se? Mm. Based off of what I saw from Hronik in, in the tape I watched, I wouldn't worry about them defensively. I think Hronik is perfectly competent. Uh, again, I think he's more at this stage, based off how he's playing this season, right? Because I can't judge him based off his past or whatever, right? Fair enough. Based off what I saw from him this season... He looks like a jack of all trades, sort of more all around defenseman, and so there's no doubt that um, that they'd be great together. All right, here's the question for you then. Same question that we just asked in the YouTube. If you're the coach, are you playing them together starting next season? Splitting them personally. Splitting them. 
I mean, you look at, uh, for example, and this is a pair that I didn't think would work on paper just because I was like, are, are they, do they check off too many of the similar stylistic boxes? Like you look at Hughes and Bear, they have been dominant in controlling shots, possession, and and the goals for and against ratio. I, I haven't checked the exact numbers uh, in a couple weeks here, but they were really, really effective together. And that's not looking at Bear and being like, oh my God, look at how good Ethan Bear is. Right. That's more of a compliment to Hughes and saying all he needs is a competent partner and he's going to put up really good results for that pair, right? So if you look at a scenario where it's like, regardless of, of who he's playing with, as long as he has a half, like halfway competent partner, a Hughes pair is going to drive, you know, let's say 50 to 55, 55 to 60% of the goal share. Right. At five and five. So it's like the upgrade from Bear to Heronic, right? Like you're already, if you're already at a 55, 60% goal share, how much higher can you really yeah, get? Is it right, a like, compound loss. Do you have to, him away Are there diminishing the gains to yep. like stacking that? Right, because look, if you had if you had a deep decor, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd go Hughes and Heronic, absolutely win best that partner. battle every night. Win yeah. that battle every night. They're going to be dominant. Great, but the problem with the Canucks right now is their second pair has been such a disaster that I think from the team's perspective, in terms of what can help them most in turning around their five and five play. They need somebody to stable. I think you gain more from having Heronic stabilize a second pair, hopefully with um, another halfway c- a competent partner that I guess if you're retooling and trying to win now, then that means you are going to be in the market for the top four defensemen. If you can get that sort of piece, even if he's a halfway decent option next to Heronic, I think you need to worry about the... I'm more, more worried about the second pair in, full, full, in fulfilling that need before I am finding the right partner for Hughes because Hughes can still deliver elite results. Yeah, and you, you brought it up like, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here to... I think specifically this season. Like, get, let them play together this season. Or, sure, or yeah. at least this try season, it and might see as well, what like, it looks like because maybe that's something you, that you just go to... When you're down a goal or when you're tied up, you're late in games, when you're kind of getting rid of the third pairing on your team, you know, and you're just kind of rolling with the top guys. Like, I'm curious to see. I think it gives them options in the top four. It just feels like, like you have two roads here, right? You can be like, hey, we can shore up our top pairing or we can at least set up our top four for success by splitting them up. I think that's the two roads. It's not even shoring up your top pair. It's like. It's trying to bolster the top pair from good to elite. Yeah. Which is great if you have the depth to be able to over the rest of your lineup mm-hmm. to be able to afford that upgrade. And I just don't. I think the I think the gain from on the second pair from disastrous to competent would yield the team better results than as opposed to going from good to elite for the for the top pair. If that makes sense. Agree. It's about time we talk about a top four in Vancouver. So um, let's dive into our next uh, thing on the ticker here. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What to watch for? Canucks, Preds, we'll do a quick little hit here. Uh, Brendan Batchelor has a pair of tweets that I want to get to uh, tonight for a couple things I want to watch. First up, Archer Silovs looks like he's going to get the start tonight. He was the first goalie off the ice. Rick Talkett later confirmed it. You were down there, weren't you, Harm? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was talking to Ryan Johnson, who we'll get to in just a minute here. Um, but Silovs in net, what do you expect tonight? Anything? I'm excited to see, I mean, of course, another game for Silovs. It's always a great opportunity to Arty see party. whether he could even... Have you heard the Artie Party music? No, I haven't. When we talk Silovs... Oh, hell yeah. Party party time all the time. So, Archer Seelofs gets well, a start tonight. Well, I walked into the dressing room after morning skate, and uh, and the first thing I hear is Arty party. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was pretty funny. We do I love mean, a good Arty party. Like, it's great. It's important to see what he can do, because imagine if he can be... Now, I don't think this is I- ideal, necessarily. I would prefer for him to maybe play as much as possible, but look, if he's competent right away... And Ian Clark thinks that he can be your backup next season. And if you don't have a lot of a lot of faith in Spencer Martin, and you're looking at the goalie market, it's you it it's not league minimum to find an affordable backup anymore. Do you look at Seelovs and go, could he back up next year? Bingo. So still I, feels early to me, but if, it feels like I said, it's early for me. But you at least can't like it's not a totally crazy thing to wonder i mean imagine i don't think it'll happen but imagine if he just goes like every time he gets a shot in the nhl now and, and maybe he doesn't get many more shots when Dealey is um healthy again but if he's um very good if he's very good like i don't know what Thanks. if he is that answer sure. or at least what if you can go into next season thinking that okay we'll have martin as our soft number two mm. Knowing that if he falters, Seelovs is the three and we can flip him up from Abbotsford. Yep. I think it's at the point right now where if you remember where Thatcher Demko was when his uh when his camp pushed to get him to the NHL from the AHL, I think you might be ahead of that point going into next season. Or at a similar spot maybe earlier into the season. Because if you remember, I believe that was I believe it was January when Demko got called up yeah. from Utica uh and jumped in and started playing behind Jacob Markstrom. I think you could see something similar here, but I just don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I do think a lot for Seelaws' development is still riding on an AHL playoff run. I think that's going to be major, major, majorly important to his development, but also coming into next season with the idea of being an AHL starter. I think that's also a big part of development right now because I do want to see him play more games simply because of, you know, the Mikey DiPietro thing where he didn't play any games in COVID. Silovs played less games than Mikey DiPietro that year. Yeah. So he needs to play Important some games. point. 
And I mean, there's a lot of things he's worked on and obviously getting that time with Ian Clark was great. And getting this time with him is great right now. I just think that games, 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 games. That's what you need to see from the Artie Party man himself. Fire it up in chat. I see the chat going nuts for Artie Party. We love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up from... We'll keep, it, we'll keep it going in the background there. The other thing I want to bring up from a Brendan Bachelor tweet earlier today. What do you think about the Kraftsoft uh, Pod Colson duo? Because they're going to be playing with Sheldon Drys tonight as their center. What do you think of that pairing? I like... I'll start here. I just think that... It's been fun to watch Kraftsoff. Like, it just feels like he really cares about, like, backing up Pod Colson. Like, oh, yeah. He didn't see this in New York. A lot of people called him, like, soft and being an outside player. Like, Kraftsoff's diving in there to, to stick up for his boy, Vasily. Like, oh, these yeah. two seem to very much like it's playing with awesome. each other. I like the duo. I They've do very much effective. like them. And I'd like to see them get more minutes. Talkit mentioned it today after the skate that he was looking at the ice time uh, totals, looking at how heavily he was riding... Pedersen, Miller, Hughes, and all these names, looking at the lack of, you know, ice time for Kraftsoff and Paul Colson yep. going, I need to bump these guys in a, li- a little bit more in terms mm-hmm. of the ice time. I also saw, I can't remember if this was on Twitter or somewhere else. Somebody was like, so we need to find a rush. The Canucks need to find a Russian center for them oh, and call it and, uh, and unite the vodka line. <laughs> <laughs> that would very much help. But yeah, it's fun. I mean, the Canucks at this point are simply looking at who's part of the equation for next season, right? You've got yeah. the surplus of wingers. Who can provide value for you next season? Who's part of the long-term solution? And you've got a lot of guys that are sort of trying to prove themselves as part of the pecking order, especially because, look, you'd imagine in the offseason the Canucks are going to be looking to find penalty killers. Yes. Right? So not all of these guys are are going to get an opportunity next season. Right, like you. Well, when the hell this? are they going to put Pod Colson out there, though, man? That's what I've been wondering lately. Like, I, I think it should have been since he's been here in the NHL. I, I'm curious when the hell are we going to see Pod Colson kill penalties? I I he was thinking about that too. Like, I think I went to on a rant. Uh, I did a rant on it in the Vancast where I was like, "You're 32nd in the league in penalty killing. This season doesn't matter." You look at Pod Colson. He has a he hasn't been able to produce enough offensively. If he doesn't hit his offensive ceiling, you want him to be able to provide value in other ways. He was billed as a good defensive player in junior, high work rate, good physical tools. He's got work to do defensively now, but why not give him a shot? Why not develop him in that way? Because otherwise, you'll get to next season. You'll be going, the playoff push is back on. We can't afford to try this guy Colson, that's never disaster. played on the PK yeah. before. It's too much of a risk. Like you've got nothing to lose here. Why not? Right. So, yeah. And you know what? They, they went down when he went down to the AHL, they didn't make him the first guy over the boards, but he did kill some, penalties. but it, it doesn't matter. That's, that's not even close to the same. Like in, in, um, in the AHL, your, your top power play threat that you're trying to defend against is what? Like a Sheldon dries, Right. Whereas in the NHL, Edmonton Oilers roll into town, and you got to defend McDavid, exactly. Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins, all these guys. Colorado comes, you got to defend McKinnon, Rantanen. Like, come on, it's not, it's not comparable at all. Nikolai Goldobin used to kill penalties in um, in Utica, right. right? It's guy, guy's got a lot of tool belts, uh, a lot of tools in the tool belt. Nikolai Goldobin. Looking yeah, okay. good. KHL All-Star three years in a row. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's move on um, to Aiden McDonough here. Because, uh, by the way, Canucks game tonight, 730. A little bit of a later start. 
uh, tonight. Oh, uh, seven thirty. Yeah. You're going to be out by then. All right, uh, we got Preds in town, 7.30 tonight. Aiden McDonough stuff. Let's pull this up. Uh, I had a good chat with Ryan Johnson today. Um, we talked about a lot of different things, and we'll, I'll probably spend a couple days here over the – I'll have some articles out for Canucks Army. Uh, but the Aiden McDonough one is up right now because throughout the years of Aiden McDonough being a Vancouver Canuck prospect, which, by the way, is from the 2019 NHL draft. So he's been around for a few years, and I think Ryan Johnson has kind of been the guy who I would look at as – Throughout the his throughout McDonough's time as a Canucks prospect, I'd say that RJ is probably the most consistent contact. Because listen, there's been different GMs, there's been different development staff come in. Um, Ryan Johnson has been the consistent one for him, and I do want to read this quote uh, from Ryan Johnson today uh, about Aiden McDonough. And this is when we talked earlier today. Uh, so here's the quote from Ryan Johnson: There was never a conversation of pushing him to sign. Aiden told us, I want to go back to finish up. I want to get stronger. I want another offseason to improve my game. There was never once a conversation of we think you should sign now. It's always been about supporting and understanding Aiden's decision and why it is important to him. We have supported him and continue to develop and build that relationship. We hope Aiden finishes up and then he's ready to get on board and join the group. It's been a long runway with Aiden and he's an outstanding player, but he's also an outstanding person. Our development staff has worked extremely close with him. I've spent a ton of time with Aiden at development camps, talking to him after games and seeing him in Boston. So I I also heard from a couple different sources, and I put this out, I think, on the weekend. Uh, or maybe I talked about it on the podcast a little bit on Friday. I think, I think I did. you did, yeah. But when I said 60-40 that he signs with the Canucks, I had a couple people reach out very quickly and say that. Um, RJ didn't like confirm that there's a 100% chance of them scoring. But I do find it interesting that they didn't trade his rights at the yeah. at the deadline. They didn't. I think they they have a positive feeling. Like a lot of what I've heard over the past few weeks is a very positive feeling towards McDonough signing with the Canucks. And the fact that they didn't move from the trade deadline, I, I think that is another positive. You'd have to be confident, yeah, in order to because otherwise you you were losing this guy for nothing. So feeling good about that. Uh, I know some people have asked about some NCAA um, free agents as well. I'll quickly just touch on that. You can sign NCAA players today like today is the day where you can start to sign them uh just the problem is that a lot of these schools specifically the good schools they made it to the playoffs so they have their you know their conference playoffs some of them are starting as soon as like wednesday most of them are starting next weekend so it's kind of a day-by-day thing right now i think the earliest we can start to see someone like mcdonough i think like his game actually is on uh wednesday so like mcdonough could be in a canucks could sign with the Canucks like as soon as Thursday. That's if Northeastern gets eliminated, but they're kind of projected to win the Hockey East. They did win the regular season. So uh, it's kind of a game-by-game thing that we're going to be following here and talking about here on the show, obviously. But guys like Jake Livingstone, Sam Malinsky, um, even like Ryan McAllister, a lot of these guys are playing on pretty strong teams. So I'd expect this to maybe drag on a little bit with the Frozen Four starting at the start of April. That's about as long as it can go. So the latest an NCAA player will become a free agent as they're turning pro will be April 8th, I believe, is is the final day. But like I've kind of said, and for everybody here checking out the show live on YouTube or listening in the podcast, just so you know, it's going to be a game-by-game thing. When teams lose and they're eliminated, that means their NCAA season is over, and the guys that want to go pro, they can go pro. But technically, as of today, the regular season in the NCAA is over. So for players that do not have playoff games, they can sign with NHL teams. You might even see a signing today. Like, you could see a signing today of a bad bad team with a good player. So we'll see what happens moving forward, uh, and we'll absolutely keep you guys updated when there is kind of a big-name 
that is becoming a free agent because their season's over. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. Anything that you th- think about kind of the Canucks being, I, I saw JD had a tweet today talking about, he thinks the Canucks are going to be very active uh, on the market. That's what he's heard. I've heard some similar things about certain players. So I'm curious to see what they do here over the next little bit. They got six contract spots right now. Yeah, they need to because pushing soon, right? Trying to accelerate things with the, with the retool, because the last administration left them with a pretty crappy prospect pool and because they've now had to start trading picks as well, they're going to be at a deficit, right? So they're going to have to look at non-traditional avenues in terms of bringing in talent that can hopefully help you on entry-level contracts, even if it's in some um, depth roles, plus how much they've invested in their player, player development staff, Abbotsford, that clearly leads you to believe that they're trying to make that part of the pitch to bringing some of these guys in. So absolutely, I'd expect them to sort of be active in this um, in this sort of chase, Europe, all the sorts of all sorts of things. Just like they were uh, active more on the European side last year. Yeah, and I think this year, just because of like a, a weird year prior with COVID. I think that this is a very good NCAA free agent class. I'll say that from a lot of the, a lot of the players that I've seen, a lot of the reports that I've read, um, a very big year for NCAA prospects. Not as much for Europeans, I don't think. Actually, I think the European free agent class is pretty weak this year. Actually, so we'll have to see what happens. Um, by the way, I might have forgotten off the top. Alex Lard, our producer, I might not have mentioned him off the top. Alex, how have you been today? We're running late, so you might not be as happy as I was hoping. How are you, Alex? No. It's all good. Yeah, you. I did note. I wrote it down here. You did not mention me off the top, but that's fine. <laughs> Is it in your burn book or what? Where'd you write it down? <laughs> yeah, it's just in my show notes here. You know, we'll just take an extra couple minutes to get on YouTube next time. Maybe. Oh goodness <laughs> gracious! Oh man, we're gonna be firing up at one forty tomorrow, folks. So make sure you're by for that. Uh, Alex, you've done a good job today. Uh, not a lot of graphics, so I gave you a pretty light day. So. Uh, yeah, just I got to mention Alex there before we get to the end. All it's right, nice. And I know Alex. You know, it's nice having no graphics. Harm's here. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like graphics. All right, Alex. I want to close the show out, but what do I have to do first? There it is. See, look at this guy, producer extraordinaire, Alex Lard. All right, let's get to our betway bets of the day as we wrap up here. The Vancouver Canucks—they're in action tonight against the Nashville Predators. Canucks and Predators, seven thirty. We talked about it tonight. Really good odds on this one. Anthony Bavillier or Brock Besser to score a goal in tonight's game. Minus 110. So a $10 bet's going to return you 1909. What do you think? You getting a goal from Bavillier or Besser tonight? Bavillier's family's in town. Bingo. Hammer it, folks. Uh, $10 bet will get you 1909 over on Betway, Betway, Betway. And then the second one, the Predators to win over 6.5 total goals and JT Miller to score a goal in the game. Plus 750. A $10 bet that's going to return you 85. Over on Betway, 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 Betway. Sorry, what was that again? Betway. There it is. All right, we'll wrap <laughs> things up there for our producer, Alex Lard, my co-host, Harmon Dial, who thank you for filling in on a Monday, Harm. The folks at Zephyr Epic, they'll get you uh, some hockey cards, and uh, well, we'll we'll pay, we'll use half our budget to pay for you to come in on a Monday. Because do, <laughs> do you charge overtime on a Monday? Is that the deal? No. No, you're going straight across? Okay. Fair it's enough. It's puppy duty. You can't. You gotta understand, yeah, right? You understand it, but what's what's the trade off here? Did Quad say you can come over and, and see the new puppy, or what's the deal? Uh, is just, there some sort of side deal? I'm, I'm not just not coming Friday. I'm like, uh, I, I need that day off of 
done like well, I've been on every podcast show <laughs> possible the last two weeks. So you're just you're just riding the wave right now. I know right? I have Vancast tomorrow too. So once I'm done that, I'm glad to have a bit of a a break or. Wednesday you know, is one of those People are probably days. sick of hearing me. You're going to take that Yeti <laughs> mic and just chuck it into the wall on Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Well, Harm, I appreciate you dropping by here on a Monday. Uh, so, yeah, Quads is going to be back tomorrow as far as I know. Uh, his puppy may be in the background as well. Or if people in the chat really kind of hype him up when the show starts tomorrow, everybody, if you're watching, I don't know. Maybe the dog will make an appearance on tomorrow's show because he is a cutie. Uh, that's for sure. I've already seen a lot of it. Uh, so, that wraps it up here for my co-host Harmon Dial, our producer Alex Allard. My name is Chris Faber. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. There it is. Look at the mountain. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.